You guys ready to grow and willing to change? Yeah. Awesome. How many uh, former Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Cub Scouts, Brownies, anybody at all in the room? A few, yeah? I love the Boy Scout motto. I think everybody knows what the Boy Scout motto is, right? Be prepared. I wasn't a scout, never tried it, but just based upon that motto, I think I would have been a good scout. Just based upon that, I mean, forget all the camping and merit badges and all that kind of stuff, but the preparation part, I, I, I hate being unprepared. It's just one of those, I don't care, I've always been this way, it doesn't matter what it was, whether it was a, a test in school, uh, if I'm going on a business trip, uh, if I'm going into a meeting, uh, I'm going to deliver a sermon, I don't, no comments, please, I, I like to be prepared, it just because here's what I found about myself. When, when I'm not prepared, I don't do very well. I tend to make bad choices when I'm not prepared. And so I do my best to be prepared. Now you could say, well, uh, it's a bit of a control issue. You could be right. It may be a temperament thing. Yeah, possibly. But whatever it is, I, f- I find that I desire to be prepared. As prepared as I possibly can be. You know, I think God desires for us spiritually to be Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, in a sense. I think He wants us to be prepared for the things that we're going to encounter in life. Now, obviously, we can't control our circumstances, at least not all of them. In fact, very few of them are within our control. But I think that we can do certain things in our life to prepare for whatever comes our way in life. And I I think that God desires for us to do that, to be prepared. Because here's what's going to happen in our spiritual life, is if we're not prepared spiritually, when those things come our way, we're probably not going to do that well. Or at least we're not going to do as well as we could. We need to be prepared for those things in life that are inevitable. We need to do our best to prepare ourselves now for those things that we might face some, at some point in the future. You know, there are just certain things you're going to face. And one of those things, if not the, the biggest thing that we're all going to face is temptation. We're all going to face temptation. On a daily basis, we are going to be tempted in some way. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You will be tempted in some way during the course of any given day. And so we need to be prepared to face that temptation. We can do some things now so that when we face the temptation that comes our way, we're better prepared to deal with it. There are things that we can do. We may not know that, but there are certain things that we can do in our life that are going to help us deal with temptation better. What, what is temptation, though? Let, let's talk about that for a moment. Let, I'm going to give you some things before we even get into the message that we need to understand about temptation. The first thing that you need to understand about temptation is temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Two different things. When we give in to temptation and we succumb to it, that is sin. But to be tempted is not a sin. The Bible makes that distinction very clear. The Bible says about Jesus, who was sinless, he was perfect, that he was tempted in all points like as we are, big distinction though, yet without sin. So he was tempted. We're going to look at his temptation today in Matthew 4. But temptation is not sin. See, when we, when we understand that, 
it may stop us from following through because a lot of times we'll think, well, I had that thought or I, I looked at this or I, I want to do that. And so since I thought it, I might as well go ahead and do it. No, <laughs> no, that's not the way it works. To be tempted is not to sin. Here's another thing, and this is huge. We've got to get this today. This is a big point I want you to understand. There's always more at stake in temptation than appears to be in the moment. There's always more at stake than appears to be in the moment. Now, when we're tempted and we're looking at whatever's tempting us or we're engaged in whatever's tempting us, we're, we're only really thinking about the moment. We're only thinking about that decision. But what we have to understand is that there's always a bigger picture. There's always a bigger impact. And so we need to get to the place in our life where we can kind of pause before we take that step and give in to the temptation. And we need to think about the ramifications. It's not just about that moment. There's a bigger picture, and we'll, we'll talk about that more in a moment. Here's another thing. Our ability to overcome temptation is going to be directly linked to the trust or belief or confidence that we have in our Father's promises. Those two things are linked. If I'm going to overcome temptation, I have to have belief or confidence or trust in my Father's promises or I'll never do it. Let me give you an example. Let's say I, I uh, bake up a... Let me make it truthful. Let's say Carrie bakes up a, uh, a batch of piping hot chocolate chip cookies. You, you guys had them a few weeks ago. I gave you some of them. They are good. And so that's, we, we have those made. We've, I've got them there on a plate. And uh, I take them into the dining room. And I set them there on the table. Steam still rising. Chocolate still melting. And I take my two kids and I set them in the room. And I say, okay, don't eat any cookies. If you don't eat any cookies for the next 30 minutes, you don't eat any. I'll give you each five cookies. But if you eat any, that's it. You're done. You don't get any more. If you eat one, you don't get the five, 30 minutes. Now, if they think I'm full of it, if they think he's lying, he's lying to us again, he's not going to give us five cookies if we make 30 minutes. They're going to dive into the cookies and eat as many as they can right now. But if they have confidence in me as their parent, as their father, that I'm going to tell them the truth and that my promises are good, then they're going to sit and they're going to wait for the payoff later on. Delayed gratification. That's what we call it. The same is true of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. If we don't trust His promises and what He says to us, most likely we're not going to really care and we're going to give in to the temptation. We're going to get ours while we can. But if we do believe that his word is true, that his promises are right, we are going to be more likely to wait, to stop, to pause, and to not give in to the temptation that we all face. That's an important thing. Here's another thing I want you to understand as we begin this study today, and that's this. You can say no to temptation. You can say no. I know sometimes it feels like you can't. We get, in this, we get caught in this little cycle, don't we? Where we, we give in and we give in and we give in and we give in. And before you know it, it feels like, man, i got no choice but to do this. We can say no. Hopefully today we'll begin to break that cycle that some of us are caught up in today. Here's a, here's a final thing I want you to understand before we get into the text today, and that's this. You can prepare to better face temptation. 
There are things that you can do in your life so that when you face temptation, which we all will, we're better equipped to deal with it. We're better equipped to come out the other side, having not given in to the temptation that we all face from time to time. Jesus overcame temptation. I quoted the verse earlier that said he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. He went through his entire life tempted just like us, but never sinning. He overcame it. And I think it's in him that we find an example, a way that you and I can deal with the temptations in our life so that we don't fall subject to these things. So we're going to look at his life in Matthew chapter 4 when he's tempted. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 4. If not, we're going to put it right up on the screen. You'll be able to follow along there. In Matthew chapter 4, let's start in verse 1. It says this. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. All right, let's just stop there for a second and let's talk about temptation a little bit more. Here's Jesus, led up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let me ask you a question. Why are we tempted? Why? You know, a lot of times in my own life, I've thought, well, I'm tempted because I'm hanging out with the wrong people or I'm hanging out in the wrong places, or I'm engaged in the wrong types of things. And so, therefore, I'm tempted to succumb to those things, to to fall into sin. And I think that's a pretty common perception, that I'm tempted because I'm in the wrong place with the wrong people doing the wrong kinds of things, and therefore I'm tempted. Maybe we think temptation comes as a proving of our faith. That could possibly be. Sometimes God will... Put us in a situation where we're tempted to see where we are in our relationship with him. And more than that, he knows where we are. He wants us to see where we are. To say, you know, I'm not really as strong as I thought I was because I gave into that. So that could be. But what about this? Let's consider this. Here in Matthew 4, look at the very first word of that verse. Then. That little verse links this passage to what just happened in the passage before. And at the end of Matthew chapter 3 is the account of Jesus' baptism. He comes to his cousin, John the Baptist. He's baptized of John in the River Jordan. And right at the end of Matthew chapter 3, verse verse 17, notice what what happens. Some of you will will remember this. Verse 17 of chapter 3. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God speaking about Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God is pleased with Jesus at this point, is he not? He is doing the right thing. He's followed God's commandment. He's been baptized by John. His life to this point has been pleasing to God. He's in God's will, we could say. And still temptation comes. In fact, I would submit to you that oftentimes, if not most times, temptation comes when we're doing the right thing. When you feel like you're really walking with God, when you feel like you're connected with God, that's when temptation most often comes. You see, 
whether we want to admit this or not, there is, in reality, an enemy that desires to see us fall. That's his main objective, is to cause us to stumble and to fall. And so here's Jesus, living a life that's pleasing to God, and all of a sudden, right in the midst of that, the enemy shows up and is going to tempt him to to try and get him to fall. He wants him to stumble. He wants us to stumble. And so we need to be on guard for that type of an attack. Here's what the enemy knows that sometimes we don't get. And I said this earlier, but I want to say it again. There's always more at stake when we give in to temptation than what we consider in the moment. The enemy knows that. He knows that there's far more at stake than the moment. There's ramifications that reach far beyond that. Now, in Jesus' case, the ramifications are the loss of sinlessness. If he had given in, that's it. No Savior. He's done. Pretty big consequence, right? Pretty big moment beyond, or uh, an item beyond the moment. That's Jesus, though. What about us? Let me give you three things. Three things that are at stake, that are beyond the moment. Things that we stand to lose when we give in to temptation. The first one is loss of your future. Loss of future. It's, more, it's about more than the moment. Now, I understand that certain temptations and giving in to certain things are, have bigger ramifications than, than others. Eating another piece of pie versus choosing to cheat on your spouse. Big difference between those two things, okay? Understand that. But what we have to understand is whatever the temptation is, there's ramifications beyond the moment. And for us, it could be a loss of our future. Isn't it interesting that we can see this in other people, but we don't see it in ourselves? We think, man, that's a bad choice. You, you shouldn't do that. Parents, we look at our kids and we go, oh, no, you can't do that. You ought not do that. that that's going to turn out badly. It's like, it's like watching, you guys like uh, horror movies or thrillers? You know, those thr- it's like the person, it's like the stupid blonde girl. Right? That's walking through the house and she's going, who's there? And she, right, she's getting ready to open the door to go into the room and the guy's there with the big hatchet or whatever. And you're screaming, run away! Don't go in there! Yeah. That's what it's like. A lot of times in life we're watching people and we're just going, stop! Don't do that! What do you mean? I don't know. It's about more than the moment. Some decisions that we make where we're giving in to temptation can literally impact the rest of our life. But when we're in it, how often do we stop and go, wow, that could really impact the rest of my life? We don't know. I just want a piece of pie. You know? We're thinking about the moment. We stand to possibly lose our future. But to us, it's just like, it's just, a, it's just a lie. It's just a piece of pie. It's just one look. No. There's a bigger picture. There's always more impact 
than the moment. Here's the second thing. We stand to lose the people you love. Lose the people you love. People you live with. People you work with. Work for. Work for you. Look up to you. You see, our giving in to temptation never just affects us. It affects everyone around you as well. It it has the ability to cause those relationships to go away, to cease, depending upon what the temptation is. So it doesn't just impact me, because when we're tempted and we're going to give in to it, we get tunnel vision. And we think, oh, this is just about me and about this moment. No, it's about more than the moment, and it's about more than you. Giving into temptation has far-reaching impact. We need to understand that. It's not just about us. Here's the third thing. is your loss of faith. I can lose my future. I can lose the people I love. I can also lose my faith. Because here's what happens. Every time I give in to temptation, I chip away at my relationship with God. I'm just chipping away. Because when I'm giving into temptation, in reality, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying no to God and yes to sin. That's what I'm doing. I'm saying, God, no, I want to do it my way. I don't really care about your way. And that chips away at my relationship with him over time. Whenever I give into that. So, so often, this happens a lot. I'm sure many of you can relate to this. We get in this rut in our life, this cycle of being tempted Giving in and sinning, repentance. Being tempted, giving in, repentance. Being tempted, giving in the same thing. And every time we're like, man, I don't want to do that again. And the very next day, I mean, if not the next moment, I'm like, okay, I'm doing it again. Let me get it right with God. And we do that over and over. And you know what happens over time? Is you begin to wonder, is this, do I, is this even necessary? Do I even need to say I'm sorry to God? Is this even a sin? Is this even a, really? What's the point of that? Here's what I found. In life, we behave ourselves out of a relationship with God. Rarely is a disbelief in God a truly theological issue. Most people aren't sitting around pondering the existence of God. You know, I've come to the conclusion that he doesn't exist. That's rarely the case. Usually, I've behaved myself out of a relationship with God. Because I'm chipping away, I'm chipping away, and I'm chipping away. And I get to the point where I want to do what I want to do. And I don't really want to be accountable to anyone. So I'm just going to say, I don't really believe he exists anymore. We behave ourselves out of a relationship with God. And that's why I say that we can lose our faith. Huge stakes. Loss of future, loss of those I love, loss of my faith, my relationship with God. These are the big picture. These are the things that as we're facing temptation, and we all do, we need to pause and go, ho, ho, wait a minute. There's more than the moment. There's more than me. I need to consider those things if I'm ever going to overcome the temptation that I face in life. In this passage, we're going to keep reading now, in verse 2. 
we're going to see Jesus goes through, goes through three different temptations. And I think that they're the same temptations that we endure. Temptations come in different shapes and sizes for different people. The things that tempt you may not tempt me. The things that tempt me may not tempt you. But here's what you got to understand. All of that, all the specific temptations that we face, all fall into one of these three categories that we're going to talk about this morning. Let's look at this if we could. Let's keep reading in verse 2. It says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. First area of temptation, physical temptation. Physical temptation. Here's Jesus in the wilderness fasting for 40 days. <laughs> I like the way it says, and, he, and he's hungry. I like the way it just kind of throws that in at the end. Yeah, yeah, and he's hungry. Here's, here's what you need to know about physical temptation. The enemy knows your weakest point. He comes to Jesus at his weakest point. He's been watching this whole thing. He knows he hasn't eaten food in 40 days. He knows he's hungry. And he, and he knows our weakest point as well. Again, different for you than me. But he knows where we're weak. And he will attack us at that point. He wants to exploit that weakness. Now, most of the physical temptations that we face are really natural desires that become twisted. And we get sideways with those things. But the devil knows where we're weak. You know, in, in warfare or in sports, one of the main tactics of the opponent or the enemy is to study and discover the weakness of whoever they're facing. They want to discover that weakness and they want to exploit that weakness. Our enemy is the same. He, wants to know, he knows what your weakness is and he will try to exploit that. Now, here's a practical thing that I can give you this morning. You need to know yourself. Some great philosopher said that. I don't know. It was Aristotle, Socrates, one of those guys. Who was it, Josh? Oh, come on. Put him on the spot there. Dr. Seuss, is that what you said? Uh, Dr. Seuss said that. The great theologian and philosopher, Dr. Seuss, I am. You've got to know yourself. We have to be honest with ourselves, and we got to know, hey, I am. This is an area of weakness in my life. I, I am tempted by this, and and I am apt to give into that temptation when I place myself in certain situations. And so I'm going to avoid, if I can, those types of situations. If you're an alcoholic, you don't hang out in bars. If you're addicted to gambling, you don't hang out in Vegas and Atlantic City. You, you get my drift, right? But so often times in life, again, back to my illustration about the slasher movies, we're the dumb blonde walking in. No offense, blondes, really, sorry. We're that person walking into the room where the killer's hiding. And we go in there and we give in because we're just subjecting ourselves to that temptation. Now, that's not always possible, is it? There are going to be times in your life when you find yourself in situations and you have a weakness 
in that area. So it can't always be about avoidance. Because we can't always avoid that thing where we're weak. And so it's got to be a change of mindset in our life. And an increased reliance upon Jesus. Paul says, when I am weak, then am I strong. Why? Because my reliance is not upon me any longer. It's upon him. Physical temptation. We're going to face it. You just will. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. Then the devil takes him up into uh, the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and says unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto them, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We had physical temptation. This is emotional temptation. Emotional temptation. As the enemy comes to Jesus, he takes him up into the pinnacle of the temple and he sets him there and he says, Hey, if you're really the Son of God, jump. Because the Bible says, I love the way the devil quotes the Bible. Don't miss that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And then he says, the angels are going to catch you. If, if you if you're, he's appealing to his pride, isn't he? Or at least he's trying to. If you're really who you say you are, go ahead, prove it. Jump. God won't let you hit the ground. He's appealing to his pride, his emotion. In, in essence, he's playing to this, this part of our nature that desires to be worshipped. We've all got it. Within each and every one of us, there's this tendency, this propensity to be the object of someone else's worship. We want that. Now, that may make you uncomfortable to hear me say that, but that is true. And that within us causes us to have this sense of entitlement. I deserve this. I don't know, I'm sure most of you, many of you, this Friday, Tiger Woods, right. I don't know if you saw his press conference. Whether he was sincere, wasn't sincere, was he robotic, was he, I don't care. It doesn't matter, all right? That's not my issue. But if you pay attention to the words that he used, I was sitting there going, I can't believe he said that. He said, I was an entitled jerk, basically, is what he said. He used the word entitled. He said, I felt entitled. I was selfish. I didn't care about anybody else. I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyway because I thought I deserved it. That's what this is. It started with an emotional thing in him, this prideful thing, and it played out in a physical thing. He, had this, he, he was the object of worship for many and within each one of us. And when we sit and we look at him and we go, what a scumbag. Yeah, I know. But don't, yeah, don't look too far. <laughs> Maybe you would never dream of doing that in your life. I'm not suggesting you would. But what we have to understand is within each and every one of us, there's this thing, this emotional thing, this prideful thing that causes us to desire to be worshipped by other people. And we can be tempted by that. Now, maybe it plays out in other emotions. Maybe, maybe for you it's anger. 
envy, jealousy, bitterness, all of those things. You know what you're going to find at the root of every single one of those bad emotions, those sinful emotions? You know what you're going to find? Pride. At the root of every single one. So we need to know this. And when we feel that, prideful emotions start to well within us and and start to point us or lead us to that place of sinfulness where we snap and we lash out or we become envious or jealous or whatever it is, we say, wait a minute, there's more at stake here. It's not just about me. This is going to have repercussions far beyond me and far beyond right now. So we need to watch that in our life. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. And the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world, the glory of them, and says unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Physical temptation, emotional temptation, spiritual temptation. Whereas the last one, the emotional one, was this propensity within all of us to be worshipped, this temptation is about misdirected worship, the worship that we give. That's the whole point of this. He's showing him the kingdoms, but he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fall down and worship me. He wants Jesus to take his worship from God and place it upon him. When we do that, when we begin to worship things or people other than God, we are falling subject to spiritual temptation. When we begin to love something, crave something, desire something more than we do God, we're falling subject to this type of temptation. It it, it struck me as I was reading through this that Of the three temptations, I think this is the least apparent one. Physical temptation, it it plays out physically. Emotional temptation usually spills out in an outburst or plays out in some physical act. But this one can really go on in your heart and I could never know that about you and you may never know that about me. It's the least apparent, but I think it's the most common. Even more common than the physical. I really do. And I think it's the most dangerous. The very first commandment that God gives is to love Him. Love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. And when we get that misdirected, and we, we point it at a person, we point it at an object, we point it at... Uh, a career, we point it at um, uh, our, our children, we point it at anything other than God. We're in danger. We have to know that about ourselves. We, we have to know that we have within us this, again, propensity to, to fall subject to this. Physical temptation, emotional temptation, spiritual temptation. Verse 11. Then the devil leaves him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Jesus overcame. He didn't give in. He conquered the temptation that was before him. 
And so can we. How did he do it? Two things he did. I've mentioned them already, but let me re-mention them. The first one is that he understood that there was more at stake than the moment. Again, for him, it was sinlessness. He came to save the world, and in order to do that, he had to live a perfect life, keeping every one of God's commandments, never faltering one time. That's his big picture. That's at stake for him. For us, the big picture is loss of future, loss of those I love, loss of my faith. We've got to get that big picture in our head. That's, and I'm not suggesting that's easy. We'll talk about that in a moment. But that's what we need to do. The second thing that he did was he had faith in the promises of his father. He had faith in the promises of his father. Did you notice, as he went through each one of those three temptations, what was his response when he faced those? It is written. It is written. It is written. Each time he says something from the Bible. He quotes a portion of God's word. Now, that's not enough. He had to also believe it. He had to trust it. You can't go to the Bible and get you your favorite verse that deals with whatever your temptation is and think that that's the rabbit's foot you're going to carry with you in your pocket that's going to keep the boogeyman from attacking you. And it's going to, you know, hold it up. Ooh, it's like garlic for, who's that, vampires or is that werewolves? I can't remember. You know, whatever. We have to believe it. We have to trust in it. It's true. It's like me with the kids with the chocolate chip cookies. They have to believe that what I'm telling them is honest, true. It's a promise that I won't go back on. And we need that same type of trust in the promises of God if we're going to overcome the temptation that we face. Not enough just to quote it. We also have to believe it. Jesus overcame it. So can we. Maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself, you're in that cycle. That vicious cycle of sin, sorry. Sin, sorry. Sin, sorry. And it's the same thing. Over and over and over again. Today is the day to break that cycle. It's enough. It's time to stop. It's time to overcome. You can do it. And Jesus wants to help you. Look at this verse. I love this. Hebrews 2 and verse 18. For in that, speaking about Jesus, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted... He is able to secure, that word means to rescue or to help them that are tempted. What a great verse. Because he went through it, he's able to help you through it. We have this tendency, and it's wrong. We view Jesus as this robot. I will not sin. I will not sin. He had no emotion. He had no desire. He he wasn't really tempted the, the way we are. But he was. He suffered being tempted. And because of that, he's able to rescue you, to help you. It won't be easy. Will not be easy. There's a reason that the angels had to come and minister to Jesus. 
I mean, he has been through the ringer. I mean, he just went toe-to-toe with the devil himself. Most of us probably won't ever have to experience that. But this is not, this is not easy stuff. Overcoming temptation is not easy. But it's so worth it. The payoff is huge. Not only, not only is your future secure and your loved ones are secure and your faith is vibrant and growing, but, but I want to I show you a parallel passage that I think is amazing. In Matthew 4, we have the account that we just read. But in Luke chapter 4, there's another account of this same story. Pretty much the same. But right at the end, it gives a little bit more information about Jesus. As he's gone through the temptation, notice what it says in Luke 4.14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. Did you notice that? He's just come through this ordeal. He's overcome the tempter. He's overcome the temptation that he faced. And the Bible says that after he did that, he came out the other side with more power. Why is that? Because I think he had a greater reliance upon God now. He, he was weak. And he, but he depended on his father, and his father brought him through that. And I think that we can experience that exact same thing. When we come through temptation, relying upon God to bring us through, we come out the other side with greater power, not because we're something more, but because God is more real to us. We now have a greater reliance upon him. And I also think it causes within us a mental shift. To know that, hey, I can do it. With God's help, I can do this. I don't have to give in. I can do it. You know where I learned this? I learned this running. I, uh, I'm not a runner. I'm not. I played basketball. I hate running. Sorry, Graham. I hate it. But I wanted to challenge myself. And so I told you, I've told you before, I, I, I decided to challenge myself with a marathon. I didn't, never said I was smart. I just said I like to challenge myself physically. And so I did this. But you know what the huge part was? It wasn't the physical part that I had to overcome. It was the mental part. It was sitting there thinking, run 10 miles? What? Are you crazy? 10 miles? But then when I did it, and someone would say, hey, let's, we're going to run 10 miles, I'd say, okay, I can do that. I've done it before. And each time I overcame that barrier of distance, it made it easier for me mentally. And this, I think the same thing is true spiritually when it comes to temptation. When I finally say, no, I'm not giving in. There's too much at stake. I will not sacrifice my future. I will not sacrifice those that I love. I will not sacrifice my faith. I'm not giving in. The Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And when that happens, not only... Am I increased in power because I have an increased reliance upon God? But it makes me think differently about temptation. And that's where it's got to begin. That battle for the mind. It can be different. Here's my challenge to you this week. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It's a memory verse. I think, are these in your bags or in your uh, handouts? This is our memory verse for the week. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, it says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer, or that means allow, you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Let me point out a couple of things and we'll be finished. The first thing I want you to know is you are not alone in this struggle. Did you notice that? There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. <laughs> temptation and giving into it is an isolating thing. We look at it and we go, man, I am the only person in the entire world struggling with this. <laughs> no. We're all struggling. We're all dealing with it. We've all got something that we're struggling with. No temptation taking you, but such as common to man. I also think it's so important for us to understand here it says, but God is faithful. That's that promise piece, isn't it? He's faithful. He won't let you down. He won't abandon you. His promises are true. You can trust in Him. You can believe Him for what He says. He is faithful. You can overcome. It says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. He won't tempt you above what you're able. You can overcome it. He makes a way out. Choice is ours whether we take it or not, but it's there. We don't have to give in. We don't have to allow it to control us. But I think if we're ever going to consistently get victory over those things that tempt us, we have to understand that there's more at stake than the moment. And that I can trust my Father. He is faithful to His promises. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning and um, to study your word and for the story about Jesus. I pray this morning that you would, you would work in our hearts, Lord, during this time of prayer. Lord, just help us to understand that in you we can have victory. That you want to deliver us from those things that tempt us, Lord. And uh, we are putting ourselves in your hands. We come to you needy. We come to you uh, desiring to do better. But we can't. Not in and of ourselves. We need you to help us through those things in life. Father, we just uh, ask all this in Jesus' name.